Hello, everybody. Welcome once again uh, to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in the series that we're doing called Doing. And uh, this series is about discipleship. It's about the lives of disciples, what it looks like to follow Jesus, the things that we're supposed to do in the process. And we're going to use as a foundation for this series the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be digging into uh, quite a bit of the Gospel together. Uh, And today is sort of another introduction. Last week was a definite introduction to the series, and we, we talked about, you know, that part of being a disciple is, is living by doing the next right thing, but there's even more to it than that. It's becoming the people that we were called and created to be in our lives, and that, that life is found in following Jesus, and that uh, at the end I talked about the, uh, the idea of developing a disciple's heart last week, and I want to sort of talk more about that today in what we're going to look at together, and it's going to be about the heart of disciples. Before we get there, though, little story. These three brothers, uh, they grow up, and they, they leave home, and they start careers, and they're very successful throughout the course of their lives, and all of them prosper. And they get together for dinner, and they begin to talk about the birthday gifts that they're buying for their mom, who is turning 75. And the first brother says, uh, I built a big house for mom for her birthday. And the second brother says, you know what I did, I, I bought her a very expensive car and, and I also got her a driver and that's going to be her birthday present for me. And the third brother says, guys, you know how much mom always has enjoyed reading the Bible, but now her eyesight is failing. So what I've done is I have bought for her a very special parrot that can recite scripture. It took a team of monks 12 years to train this parrot, but now all mom has to do is just name chapter and verse, and this parrot will recite it for her. And so the mom's birthday comes, and and she receives her gifts, and then afterwards she sends letters to her sons, you know, thank you letters, and to the first one she writes, you know, the house you built me is nice, but it's way too big. I live in just one room, but I still have to clean the whole place. And to the second, she writes this, you know, the car is beautiful, son, but I really don't enjoy traveling anymore. And besides, the the driver drives way too fast. And to the third son, she wrote, thank you so much for the wonderful gift. That little chicken you sent me was delicious. All right, so the heart of a disciple, what does it look like? We're going to look into Matthew 4 for a little clue on this today, and our scripture reading is from verses 17 through 20. It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Um, In these verses, uh, there comes this concept that we need to talk through today in the development of the disciple's heart, and that concept is all about repentance. And and Jesus says, repent, Uh, and and for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so the very first point we're going to talk about today is this idea of repentance. The first point in your notes is to repent. Matthew 4, 17, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven is near. So what does it mean to repent? We might have some different ideas about what that looks like and what it means. Um, But true biblical repentance is a change of mind, it's a change of purpose, and it's a change of life. True biblical repentance includes those three elements. It's a change of mind, a change of purpose, and a change of life. And I want to talk about those three things today in, in this discussion on developing the heart of a disciple and what that looks like. So let's start by talking about what a change of mind is all about. Brings up the second point. It's a question we've looked at before. It's a question that Jesus asked. And to me, it's one of the most important questions you will deal with in your life as a disciple. Uh, And the question is this, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? This is a, uh, some people think, oh, well, that's an easy question to answer. And if you remember the context, uh, in John chapter 5, Jesus was talking to an invalid at the pool of Bethesda. You would think it's a no-brainer. Of course he wants to get well. But it's a deeper question. See, and, and um, Jesus followed up with that guy after he was healed and said, you know, there's, you need to follow God. There's more to life than this. And, and so the question has a deeper impact. John 5, 6 says, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? And so this question um, is really this. Uh, it's asking us, do we want to get well or do we just want to get by? Do we want to really be whole and live the life that God has called us to? Or do we just want what we think we want in order to feel better in life? It's a question that separates living for the temporal or the temporary and the eternal. Where will your focus be? And see, what we usually want by nature, and if we're honest, is we want to live pain-free, white picket fence lives. That's what I call them. We, we, we want that in our lives. That's a, um, it's a very normal desire, but see, it's, it's not going to give us life. And, and so our mind uh, has to be changed as part of repentance. And, and so what we often hear is that, that there's a lot of people out there who will tell us that we can achieve that now, but the reality is that you can't. See, the promises for pain-free living and for tear-free living are are eternal promises. We've looked at it in the, in, before. It's in Revelation 21. It's a, it's a guarantee in eternity, but it's not. Now, Now I say that we get breakthroughs of those things all the time here, but they're, they're not permanent. It's not an all-the-time thing until we're with him forever. And so the, this change of mind comes from answering that question sincerely that what you really want is to get well, to be made whole, to be healed, you just don't want what you think you want in order just to get by or feel better temporarily. You want the deeper work. Uh, you want the, even though it's sometimes the more difficult work, that's what you really want as the heart of a disciple. That's the change of mind. Now to sort of grasp that, we have to think about that next part of the process, which is a change of purpose. Because we, we struggle with this in our lives. And the next two points kind of go together about the change of purpose. See, because our purpose has to change from living for ourselves, which is how we tend to live, because we want that pain-free living. And, and so we're at the center of the universe all the time, something we have to deal with, um, that, that we sort of see everything about how it impacts us. And that's almost immediately our initial response to everything. How does this impact me? 
to, um, to having a perspective that we really have a different purpose in life, that we were created for something greater, and that, that there's more to our lives than just trying to work everything out right now. Ephesians 2.10, it's not in your notes, but it's something I want you to think about in the weeks ahead. See, it says we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're created for a higher purpose than most of us walk into because we get stuck in, in the thinking that we need to make life work right now. We get stuck in a very temporary thing um, when our focus needs to be eternal. And see, it's this whole thing, that, that it's this mind change. Until we get our focus onto what's eternal, um, once that happens, then God takes care of the life thing and we find life. But as long as that's our focus, we can never get there. And so, so this is what we have to consider. That question, do you want to get well, comes the question of our purpose. And so there's, there's a couple things I want you to think about. And I think these are really significant in all of our lives and, and that um, it's something that we all deal with and we may not know exactly what we're dealing with. And so the third thing is, is this. We have to talk about the longing for heaven. The longing for heaven. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 5, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal home in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we shall not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan in our burden, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What Paul's writing about there is a longing for heaven. And see, I don't think a lot of us have taken time to really ponder um, or figure out what's going on with this longing for heaven. And so let me tell you that deep within each one of us is this longing for heaven. And that we know deep down that there's something better than what we're experiencing. And no matter how hard we try to make everything work, it never does. Now that's a reality. So you, you know inherently, it's inside of you, it's built in there, that there's something, that something's not right. You get it. You know it all the time. And, and we can be consumed very easily by trying to fix it. And in fact, that's what most people are consumed by. And this is really what kind of makes discipleship different. See, if a change of purpose. Um, uh, we, we can either spend our lives with a very self-focused, trying to make everything work, or we, can, or we can begin to live differently. And so when we're focused on ourselves, and that's our perspective, and that's our purpose, is, is we know something's not right, we're trying to fix it, um, we, we tend to do certain things, like we'll, we'll try and mask it. Some people, um, they'll decide that they can't really put their finger on what it is, so they just get busy in life. They just, they're out there doing stuff all the time, they're staying busy all the time, they just go, 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 push, 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 for whatever it looks like, and maybe if they're just busy enough, they'll never tap into that feeling again. 
Other people decide they'll go in a different direction altogether, and, and they try and fill sort of that emptiness with things that, that aren't good for them, you know, uh, abusing alcohol and drugs, um, immorality, pornography, all the stuff that's available and out there. They, they try and fill this thing in there. Uh, again, it, it doesn't work. Sometimes it, it might be something completely different. Maybe you can tie into this. Uh, sometimes we, we get sort of consumed by trying to recreate some past memories in our lives that we, we think signify a better time. For example, um, it's like why um, the, the nostalgic TV shows, I think, are so popular. Do you ever have an old TV show pop on and, and you don't even know why, but all of a sudden you feel better? You know, it, it's, it, it could be a 20-year-old show, but it shows up and all of a sudden you feel better. And you're like, oh, that, because it's, it's popping up really good memories in you. And, and, you know, the thing that usually happens with, you know, memories, um, good ones anyway, is that, that we, we kind of romance them a little because we've forgotten all of the mess that was going on. Because the reality is, you know, if you think 20 years ago was better, it really wasn't. You just, you've forgotten all the mess that was going on with everything good that was happening 20 years ago. Uh, but we begin to think that that was a better thing. And so we get these feelings that pop on us. And we think, oh, that's better. And so TV shows can do it. Old songs can do it on the radio. You can be cooking something, certain, certain scents and stuff will trigger in you these feelings that you think, oh, that, that feels better. And, and you sort of get that, and so we, we try and pursue that. I think it's kind of the driving force um, behind uh, what so happens, what happens so often when we are trying, especially at holiday time, to sort of put together Martha Stewart Thanksgiving and Christmases. And, and you know, the time and effort we put into those things, and the reality is they just never work out right. And no matter how hard you try, I, I think about this sometimes, Alice and I will share the cooking, but we'll get to holiday time, and a lot of that we'll, I'll be doing, and we'll cook virtually all day and we'll eat in five minutes. And I kind of think, really? <laughs> and and it, just, it just doesn't quite live up to the expectation. It was good, but it doesn't fill that thing. And see, what we have to understand is that the longing for heaven can't be satisfied this side of heaven. It can't be satisfied. Now, we have the Holy Spirit on us, and, and so we have a taste of it, and we know it's coming, but that longing can't be satisfied. You can't satisfy it, so, so spending your life trying to make it work won't work, because it can't be satisfied this side of heaven. So rather than be consumed by it, which is where we usually get stuck and why we don't become good disciples, what we have to do is we have to start, and this is the fourth point, mourning the brokenness. We have to mourn the brokenness. See, the reality is we have to face and embrace that we live in a fallen world on a broken planet and everything is broken here, including us. Everything is broken. Nothing is perfect. No matter how hard you want it to be, no matter how hard you try, it will not line up the way you want it to. Listen to what Paul says. Again, same verse as this in a paraphrase. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. For instance... We know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they'll be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite, 
by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little heaven in our hearts so we'll never settle for less. So, so here's what happens. This longing for heaven is there and things won't work out. And as long as we're focused on living for ourselves, then what happens is we take every reminder of the brokenness personally. It's like an attack on every sort of plan we have that it never seems to work out. Have you ever, and I, I know that you have, thought at some point over certain situations, why does this happen to me? This always happens to me. We're just about to make it all work and then it all falls apart. And you're not alone. See, that's how it works. It's broken here. It's like, you know, in our lives, we, we, you, you get into things and you're, and you're busy, busy, busy trying to make it work. You know, and we'll, we'll have people in our lives and we're trying to get this one straightened out. And by the time this one straightens out, this one's a mess. And by the time we get this one straightened out, this one's a mess. And by the time we get this one straightened out, we're a mess. And it never works. And, and then, you know, all the stuff that we're trying to do is not working and our plans are kind of fall apart at the end and, and we keep thinking, you know, oh, if I could just get this taken care of, if, this, if I get this promotion, then it's going to be fine. If I could just get these bills paid, then it's all going to work out. And then we get there and something else happens. And it's just not there and we push and we strive. And we can't find life there because it just seems to constantly elude us. Sometimes we even get mad at God over. You think, if you're really good, God, why wouldn't you just work this out for me? Why, isn't, why am I always struggling here? Why is it so hard? And, and we, we want to blame him for things. And yet in the reality of all this, you know, our sin is, is the problem. It caused this mess that we live in. If, you're, if you really need to be mad at someone, get mad at the evil one. See, he deceived us in the beginning by, by, by convincing us that we could be like God and we bought into it. And instead of doing the right thing, we went and did what he said. And, and we got kicked out of paradise because of it. That longing that you have is for what we had once that we lost because we were deceived. And now he continues to deceive by instead of saying, yeah, I did that. He, he says, well, what kind of God do you serve that this mess still continues? Who's, who's, what's going on? And then, then, then we continue the process by thinking that we can fix it. And so we, we continue trying to be like God, fixing the brokenness that can't be broken. You can't fix it. You have to mourn the loss that, that we don't have what we're supposed to have yet. But see, in the loss and in what we're looking at and in everything that we face, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm, this is a tough place. I hear stories all the time of, of very difficult things. I have friends that go through tragedies and, and, and personal things that happen and, and understand it's very, very difficult. And yet every one of them needs to be a reminder that this life is temporary and that it's going to happen like that. Um, that. That it's broken. This will not be like heaven ever, no matter how hard I try. This ain't it. It tastes, but this ain't it. But But... In remembering that, it's supposed to, see, rather than make me a victim, it gives me hope because of what God has done. And that at the cross in Christ, he's made a way for us to have relationship again like we had before the fall. Now the rest of the broken mess isn't fixed yet, but our relationship is with, restored in Christ. So we got the best part done. The rest of it catches up when he comes back. So we have that. So, so it's, it's to be a reminder of his mercy and his grace and his love. He's made, us for a, he's made a way for us to get back. But, but it's not going to work here. 
the way we want it to. It's just not. It's broken. Can't. It's a, it's a mess. But, but, see, this is where the change of mind and purpose comes together. If it's not all about me, it's about him, then the way things that happen impact me is quite different. And, and, and so I have to get through this as part of what repentance looks like. Now, let me tell you a simple story. This is a very, very simple story, but, but maybe you'll, you'll, you'll tie into it. I know there's much deeper things and issues in this going on, but like a month ago, I was coming back from Ocala. We're driving along in my truck. I love my truck. And uh, we, we, we're a mile or uh, an hour or two away, and um, this thing happens to my truck. And my pickup truck is, is, has, a, has a flaw in it that happens because I Googled it. Where What happens is the air conditioner is working fine, and I have a split system, and all of a sudden the driver's side blows heat. Not just kind of hot, blaring heat. While the other side is still blowing cold. But the heat just comes, and you can't make it stop. Even if you turn the fan off, it's still pouring out of the vents. There's something in some sort of transponder that goes bad. So I'm driving back, it's hot, and all of a sudden I'm just, I'm just being bombarded with heat in my truck. Well, this happens from time to time, and normally what I do is, and it's a fortunate fix, is I pull off the road, turn the truck off, turn it right back on, it resets and starts doing what it's supposed to do. And that has always worked every time this thing happens. But it didn't work on this trip. I turned off, turned it on, heat. Turned it off, turned it on, heat. Turned it off, turned it on, heat. Okay, fine, we gotta go. Now, because I know that this exists, I've looked at it, and the fix for this is, is pretty extensive. It's not an easy fix, because this thing is buried in the dashboard. And I talked to a mechanic about it. Everything's got to come off. It's a very expensive job. And, and so um, I start doing the poor meats. Why does this happen to me? Can't believe it is really hot. Now, my truck's not working. I can't, you know, there's, I, even if I turn it off, it's still blowing heat on me. It's hot even if I roll down the windows. And so I'm just going on. Anybody ever do the poor meats? What a terrible thing this is. Okay, now, here's when I start to think differently, all right? So I think like that for not, not long, long enough, but anyway. Um, then I begin to realize, first off, this is one of those, it's an, see, it's an American thing anyway, um, because and this will catch me right off the bat. We complain about things here that most of the world would never even think about complaining about. Let me start right off by saying that most people don't even have vehicles, so I'm way ahead of the game in that I have a vehicle that was running, if they have vehicles, most of them don't have air conditioning. And so the, the, the vast majority of the world could not even begin to have any sort of sympathy or pity for me that I've got heat blowing out of the car that's otherwise running just fine and taking me where I need to go, all right? So that's my first thought. We have a lot of American problems like that that are just, it's just, pfft. anyway. And then I take it deeper and I start thinking about it and see, because it was getting me out of sorts. I was getting really frustrated and upset. Um, and, and it was taking me all these places, you know, how am I gonna get it fixed, and it's a big deal, and I can't drive around, it's too hot, you know, I can't, and you know, and, and so I, okay, it's an American issue anyway. And then, bigger than that, it really doesn't make any difference. It's, it's just a little tiny frustration, and it's a reminder that everything's broken. It's another one of those things, it's broken. And so what? Get it fixed eventually. It's not, it's not the end of the world. It's not, I don't need to take this personally and let it throw me off my game and what matters in life. It's just, just nothing, really. And so I let it go. Okay, God, whatever. You know, I can drive the windows down and I can turn it over to the frost so that the window gets really hot but it's not blowing right on me. And um, uh, On a, another note, three days later it started to work again. So I don't know why, but uh, we're, we're riding on that now. It's working just fine. Um, 
But see, I, I use that. I know that's a small thing, but, but things happen and we take it so personally. And it's not. It just should be a reminder, okay, everything's broken. Eh, we work it out over time. It's not, it's not really make any difference. But, but see, it, it reminds me that there's a far greater purpose in life that I'm called to. And that ain't it. And, and that my focus is off. And that greater purpose is to follow Christ. Um, fifth point. Um, Jesus invites us now, as he always has, to come and follow him. And it's in following him that we find life. See, we, we, we have to deal with a change of mind, a change of purpose, and a change of life. Who are you going to live for? As long as you're living for you, you will never find life. But when you start living for him, ah, there's the heart of a disciple. And it's a mind change, and it's a purpose change, and it's a life change. Something's different. And, and so, uh, he, he, verse 19 and 20 in Matthew 4, Jesus said to Peter and Andrew, Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So I want you to see what happens, because the verse before it says Peter and Andrew were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, look, come follow me, come be my disciples, and I'll make you fishers of men. You'll go from a very temporary focus, fishermen, to an eternal focus, fishers of men, and that's where you're going to find life. And their response was to drop it all and follow him. Just like the parables we looked at yesterday, you know, the, the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl of great price, that it was worth it all. That's what happens, is that we realize that, that that's where life is. And we're going to do what it takes. And, and what that means is we've got to change our minds, our purpose, and our life in order to follow him. But as we do, that's where we find life. And that's how the heart of a disciple is developed. That's what repentance looks like. And so I want you to take time this week and really think about these things. Uh, I want you to think about the, the question, do you want to get well? And, and what's your response? I want you to think about that longing for heaven and maybe that will kind of help you with some stuff and that you've been moving into some things that you shouldn't because you're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. And instead of trying to fix it, mourn the loss and then realize that, that it wouldn't lead you to life anyway and that life is found in, in living for him. And embrace that is what you want to do. So that's where we're headed. That's the heart that we need to develop. And having that develop, we'll start talking next week about what it looks like. What do we do as disciples? Because Jesus laid it out pretty clearly for his guys. We'll be in Matthew 6 next week. And so you can read ahead. Matthew 5 is the next chapter, but we did that in our series on being. So that's available. Matthew 6 is what's next. If you want to read ahead, go ahead. And we'll be talking about that next week. If you're watching by television or on video, thank you very much for watching. If there's anything we can do, you can call us or write us and we'll do whatever we can to help you. But we're going to close here today with prayer.